You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Treader and Lindsay Adams-Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm, American Girl Dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become American Girl Women. Today on American Girl Women, we are joined by Rachel Wilkerson Miller, editor-in-chief of Self Magazine and author of The Art of Showing Up, as well as Dot Journaling, A Practical Guide. Rachel grew up in Grand Blank, Michigan, where she loved reading, theater, softball, and diving into history, a love that stemmed from American Girl. We are so honored to have her join us today and learn all about her AG experience. Rachel, welcome to American Girl Women. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. I feel like we had a couple like little interactions on Instagram and Lindsay and I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while. Same. I'm so excited to talk to you too. It's going to be great. (laughs) I cannot contain my excitement. I feel like it's just so incredible to know who's been impacted by American Girl. And to be able to talk to you today, Rachel, is just such an honor. But Rachel, before we talk about American Girl, what were Mm -hmm. you like growing up? Great question. I would say I was a very confident child. I had a lot of interests and I had zero shame about them, if that makes sense. Like, not that anyone should, but I (laughs) definitely didn't. I just had so much confidence. I think a a good way to sum up what I was like was, I don't remember this, but one of my oldest friends told me her first memory of this is when we were in third grade, we were in the same grade for the first time. And she saw me on the playground, like push a boy down and say, never underestimate the power of a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't remember saying that. I don't I don't remember when I learned what a feminist was, but I remember like calling myself a feminist at a very young age. I was I was really smart and was very like proud to be smart. Again, had no shame around these things. I just thought the world of myself and <laughs> thought I was the greatest. So <laughs> I don't I think I'm a little more self-aware now, but um, yeah, super confident and also a voracious reader, bookish, nerdy. I'm sure a lot of your guests are, but that was also definitely me. I love the confidence that you had as a child because I do think we like lose a little bit of that as we get older and like life throws us different things so Mm -hmm. it's it's so nice to hear though that like when you look back on that you like still recognize like how confident you were um and you're 100 percent correct that a lot of our guests have crossover interests um (laughs) and describe themselves as maybe a little bit nerdy but were you into like any sort of like historic type interests growing up that maybe you know were gateway to american girl I think it was the reverse. I think it was that American Girl was the gateway to that. Like I often will joke with friends about my Victorian era and it's like, yeah, (laughs) that came directly from American Girl. So I think that like set something off for me that I was that really made me fall in love with it. And my mom really nurtured that and like took me to historic villages or sites or whatever near our town so that I could have more of that. And it just like really stoked it. And I realized even in college, I majored in journalism, but we didn't have a minor. It was like a specialization and mine was in history and all of 
my classes were in sort of like women, not like women's history in the way you might traditionally think about it, but sort of like the history of women and families mm. in a really interesting way. And again, I think I was into that stuff even as a little kid, but it was really cool as a college student to get to write a paper on like the 1950s white wedding or to get to learn about like the history of teenagehood. So I think there's always just for me been an intersection of like women's interests and girl things and history. I love that you were able to take those courses. Like we see the focus on the everyday in girlhood and womanhood so prevalently in the American Girl series, but what a great opportunity to continue to explore those topics. That's yeah, so it was really cool to revisit it from an academic perspective, but also mm-hmm. it didn't feel heavy. It felt really interesting and accessible and like right. and, and light and fun. I, I loved those classes. It was so great to get to learn more about that and go to school for it. Definitely. What was your entry point into American Girl? Those catalogs just started showing up one day. And I, again, I read everything. I read everything. I read my grandmother's good housekeeping's cover to cover. I read every piece of literature I could get my hands on. So of course I read this cover to cover and I just was like enthralled by it. Like it was so aspirational. That paper had, it was so thick and glossy and it had that, it smelled so good. I just was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my whole life. And I don't know how often it came every, you know, quarter, but I would just read them repeatedly. I would just flip through them over and over again, read every little detail. So Samantha was like it for me. I was like, look at her. like she's the one. Look at that hair. Look at her story. <laughs> I just was so obsessed. And I must have gotten the books first and been able like because they were cheaper, right? Like the dolls were expensive. Right. So I got the books first, read my way through them, and I read them multiple times and then asked for Samantha for Christmas. And it was like all I wanted was this doll. I wanted her so badly. And I think at the time there were only the four. Felicity Kirsten, Samantha, Molly would have been the collection when I was this age. So all I wanted was Samantha. I was just like praying that Santa would bring her. I think this is when I was in second grade. And woke up on Christmas morning and had like that long box. And again, I will just like never forget like the smell of all of those products. They had such a specific, like really beautiful, luxurious smell. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was just obsessed with Samantha. I didn't get anything else with her. I think I just got like the the standard historical doll. That was it. And then I think over time got like a little bit more here and there. I think probably the next Christmas I got the summer set, like the little sailor suit, the little watercolor set, the Mm -hmm. little whistle around her neck. Like that was really special. I don't think I had any more of the products from Pleasant Company, but they made patterns that you could make the things for you. Like if your parent knew how to sew, they could make them for you. So my mom is a really good seamstress and she made me Samantha's birthday, like pinafore, the pink dress with the white pinafore. She made one for me and one for my doll. Cause I remember waking up on Easter and the Samantha doll was like wearing the dress. And so like that Easter, I went to church dressed in that pink outfit with my doll with me and like just thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. So that was what got me into it. And that's what led to my Victorian era. And then Addie came out a couple of years later. I was probably in fourth grade, maybe third grade or fourth grade. And again, I was like, I'm half black. This is the doll for me. Like, oh my God. And, and I look back and I'm like, yeah, Addie and Samantha, like the two sides of my personality, like it makes sense. But Samantha was always like my number one. So that's what kicked off my Victorian era when I read these books and just became completely obsessed with everything Victorian <laughs> at the age of eight years old. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, they Addie and Samantha both I feel like have such like sleigh clothing like and I feel like I mean, Samantha's the one everybody like, you know, I feel like outright is like, oh, yeah, like the most stylish American girl. But I feel like Addie's super stylish as Mm -hmm. well. And I love I love that your mom was able to make the clothing for you, especially because like, I feel like sewing's 
becoming a little bit of like a lost art. Not as mm -hmm. many people do it. Mm -hmm. um, and that must have been so special. Do you still have those pieces today? I think so. Yeah. So in Changes for Samantha is the one where she has that beautiful cape and like the little muff. And again, Mm -hmm. I was just like obsessed. And so my mom made a cape for Samantha and then made me a matching cape. It wasn't like a one-to-one. -one. My cape was purple, like a royal purple. And again, Yeah. it was like third grade wearing a cape to school. Um, but again, like I, I think my mom probably still has the cape. I can't remember how much of my um, original collections she still has because our basement flooded when I was in college. And periodically I'll be like, what of my American girls do you still have? And she'll be like,
she was really encouraging of all of this. Um, and I was also very into theater. And so these things also felt kind of related, like the costuming of it all and other like historical things. She used to watch this show called Homefront. It was like a primetime dramedy that was set in the 1940s. And I, and similarly, like she made me a little outfit that like matched one of the characters from that. And I was really oh. into a league of their own. Like I loved all of these like nostalgic retro. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I love this. I love this whole vibe. I <laughs> feel like our moms would have been friends, have a lot That's in so common. Cute. <laughs> My mom was a longtime subscriber to Victoria magazine. Okay. And- it Seems actually, familiar. yes, it actually like went away and came back. And oh, when, interesting. when it came back, my mom was on top of it. Um, <laughs> and it gives like early Martha Stewart vibes. Mm, yeah, too. I can see that. But I love that your your mom was really into like the historical context of all of this stuff as well. Um, was she making you any of the Addy outfits as well or mostly Samantha? I can't remember. There's a world in which I had a pink dress like Addie's, but I don't. I just don't remember. Like, I'm kind of conflating the two things. Mm -hmm. But I really remember the Samantha ones first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. Were you ever getting into, like, the more modern outfits? No. No. It was just, it was something about those, like, historical (laughs) (laughs) outfits that were it for me. (laughs) Did your, like, kind of on that note, did your Samantha ever wear Addie's clothes or vice versa? No, I don't even think it ever occurred to me to to do that. Like, <laughs> I just was like, they're from different eras. I don't remember how I like engaged with them either. So I like how I played with them. But I feel like they didn't really know each other. Like they just they like had their own separate lives in my head. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it's sense. Al- <laughs> right? it's always so interesting, like the spectrum of like people like mixing and matching the clothing, having like their felicities, wearing like modern clothes all of the dolls interacting with each other like everyone has such like different ways they played with their dolls and it's always so fascinating to hear from our guests on that yeah I think there was a point when I realized that a Molly doll and a Samantha doll were not that different and I remember Mm -hmm. putting my Samantha doll's hair in braids and being like I think I've uncovered something interesting here (laughs) and I think if I had gotten a third one Molly would have been my next one like she was my next favorite I reread her books a lot I don't think I had any of her outfits but I was definitely like sort of starting to circle that and considering like oh I'm into this as well yeah really cute outfits too like she was great Right. She had really cute outfits that like I personally did not appreciate until like we really started like diving more into the catalog. Like agree. Her summer look was so good. I love that. So cute. Oh my goodness. Her birthday dress. Like yeah. Even her her meat outfit is like just so cute. Classic. It's really (laughs) cute. Yeah. I love her too. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of people also like connected with her from like our generation because really she wasn't that far off historical time period wise Mm -hmm. from like when we would have been getting our our first dolls in the 90s so it's Mm -hmm. like that's kind of crazy to think about but I think like a lot of people's first dolls were Molly's because like parents or grandparents were like I remember the 1940s. Oh that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) She was like the most relatable in that regard like she had the most modern conveniences and yeah Mm -hmm. like it, it felt more like something we could access for sure. Totally. Rachel, did your friends have American Girl dolls? If they did, I didn't know about it. Like we didn't talk about it. It just wasn't really a thing. They were certainly like the right demographic. Um, I went to a private school. I I did not grow up with money. I I have no idea how my mother afforded these dolls. She like put herself through school. She was a single mom. I don't know how she did it. So it would have made sense that my friends did, but I don't know that they had the interest like I did, even though Mm -hmm. they could have afforded it. It wasn't just about having the money. It was like there was something about this that 
you had to connect with them on an emotional level. And I don't know that everyone had that feeling. Yeah. So true. I, something inside me really breaks when I, I'd rather like, honestly, just like not even know sometimes if people were into it or not, because the amount of people and Lindsay, I don't know if you've experienced this, who've been like, oh yeah, like I had a few dolls, but I wasn't yes. really that into it. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> Right. What is your life? Right. What, like, <laughs> I, I wonder too, if that was more common when the dolls, they started the like modern line of dolls. I feel like it right. became, I can see that world. And like, I was kind of off age-wise to encounter that, but I, I do wonder if if that group was more like, yeah, those dolls felt a little bit more like very expensive Barbies, but the historical dolls felt so special. If I found out someone had, like had all the dolls and was blasé about all the historical dolls, I we are not the same. Like that's so <laughs> I can't relate. Cannot at all. relate. I think also like you really have to work. You have to. Uh, establish your own connection with the historical dolls because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know obviously depending on what you're interested in you're going to be drawn to a certain time period mm -hmm. and um I or like a certain character story and I think that like with the today dolls it's much easier to be detached from them because they don't really like have a story yeah um, I agree so yeah, I'm not saying the historical dolls are superior, but they are. Um, yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, there's, just, to me, there's like no comparison. They're just yeah. like a, a whole. Like, They're such a special, like a time capsule of like 80s and 90s girlhood in this like they're a time capsule because they're so nostalgic, but also they just capture a specific time in American culture to have these dolls and want these dolls that there's just right. like, nothing like it. There was nothing like it before then to my mm -hmm. knowledge and there's been nothing like it like since like they still have the market cornered on this type of totally. doll with like the backstory and all that it's just kind of crazy how like they've shifted so much to I know focus away from the historic and I'm I'm what I'm hoping is that with like a lot of millennials who were into American Girl having kids now mm -hmm. we've talked to so many people who are like passing their dolls on to their children or you know getting new experiences with American Girl but sort of using like the historic dolls more so than the girl of today to inform that and so I hope that maybe in the next like five to ten years we see like maybe a little resurgence of the historic I could definitely dolls, see right? that I certainly would if I had a daughter I would be like you you if you don't have a love for these like I don't know what to do I'm, I would be so <laughs> heartbroken so I, I but I like don't feel the modern dolls just don't have that emotional connection I would be like sure right. if you want one like great but they don't have they those dolls just felt so special I think the fact that there were only a handful of them and again, we had it was a time where like there just wasn't as much to read or to watch on TV. Like you didn't have as many options. So again, I just read those books. I read those catalogs over and over. And then later right. in the magazines, they just imprinted in a way that like, I don't know, there's just nothing like that now. Definitely. Was there anything from the catalog that you always lusted after but never received? Yeah. I mean, God, all of it. I loved the Christmas sets so much. I mm -hmm. remember really loving like Samantha's really beautiful dress and the birthday spread was obviously like so incredible. Like all those little, the, the other thing about it is like, these are miniatures, like they're so delightful and, and right. like, just sort of make your brain light up because they're all so tiny. Um, so that was something I always really wanted to, to be able to access was more of the Christmas things and the birthday collection. Totally. And Samantha and Addie had beautiful birthday sets. They really did. Yeah. 
Oh I love the little school desks too. I thought that was so cute. I, I, I get, I'm just like, this was a genius idea. <laughs> like, and they marketed it so well. Like it was all just so, it like felt so nice and luxurious. And it, and I felt right. like when I got the products, it delivered, like it was as nice in person as it looked in the catalog. And that was also really exciting. Cause once you have a few, you're like, they are all this special. Wow. Like I want more. Yes, totally. And Rachel, have you been to an American Girl store before? The American Girl store opened when I was probably around 12 or 13. So I was a little old for it. Or maybe it opened when I was younger, but it opened in Chicago, which was like mm-hmm. five hours from where I grew up. So I didn't get to go until I was 12. And my mom took me because it was kind of a, like, I just, I have to see yeah. this. Like, I'm I'm not going to, I'm too old, but it doesn't matter. And I remember just being like enchanted by it, like to see it all laid out in one place. And again, it's all so small and so delightful and so beautiful that I remember just being like starry eyed seeing it, even though I was too old for it. It was all so cute. Totally. Especially the Chicago store too. Like we've heard from um, guests who live close to it and have seen like a YouTube video of the store. It was so much like a museum. Mm-hmm. Like it was That's just exactly so right. beautiful. Yeah. It felt really special. I felt like I was so pleased that like my younger self was just so delighted by it. I was like so happy that I could be there. Right. For, you know, like I was like, she would love this, even though I was like five years older at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. And I mean, obviously like it is a store at the end of the day but like to to your point Lindsay like it it is very museum like and it almost seems like it was more like experience forward than mm-hmm. shopping forward which I feel like is so unique now I feel like with the stores in New York and Chicago like being a little bit different than how they were back then they're much more shopping forward but I, I like really can't think of another like retail experience that I've ever had, like the early American Girl store experience where just seeing everything like in like a full blown like diorama yes. scene. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's exactly what it's like in terms of like the museum of it all. Like it is like a right. diorama. And I think it's to me, it was more like the experience of like if seeing your favorite book made into a movie, like getting to experience something yes. that you've only seen like in your mind or in pages, like in person, like that was the way that it felt like it was so special to see it all come to life. Because again, like you've seen it on the pages for years, there was something about seeing it in person all together. Like, because also, the, again, those entire collections were so expensive. Like, it's like kind of where else would you experience this and all styled perfectly as well? Like, that's a really right. magical experience for a particular type of kid. Definitely. Especially because I think a lot of us were our American girls after a few years of wear and tear were not styled the way they were. (laughs) I should never have taken Samantha's hair down. That was a mistake. (laughs) Seriously. Addie's too. I did it with both of them. It was a mistake. (laughs) We we always like to hear like how our guests like treated the hair of their dolls because that is quite the contentious subject. And now in hindsight, I'm like, they had the thing where you could get it restyled. That was really yeah. smart. But again, it was expensive. All of these things that I'm like, now as an adult with money, I could do all of those things and I would have. But when you're a kid, it's just like, well, that's it. This is the hair she has. It's never going to change. <laughs> right? Truly. Lindsay Seriously. found Lindsay found a really fun page from the American Girl. It was from the magazine, I believe, that was like how to restyle your doll's mm. hair for like the three main gals I believe that they had at the time and I was like I wish that I had known that this existed because my mom and I have tried everything like there was like a wire brush happening Mm -hmm. like there was lots of like damp hair like in hindsight I probably like 
could like have used some human hair products to like mm. make it a little bit less tangled but like they really were were you were on your own once you were we didn't have youtube <laughs> yeah. videos now it's like oh we can fix this immediately but it was like there was some kind of missing like there was a secret that none of us had to be able to fix that hair again right yes, totally truly. i gave my felicity doll a very intense haircut growing oh, up which no. I don't even remember ever giving her but it definitely checks out to like who I was as a <laughs> child like not super careful with anything mm-hmm. and I recently re-wigged her mm. um just kind of ripped the wig off and bought a new one on Etsy and glued it back down and she looks wonderful now wow. I wish I had done that before but I was at a friend's house over the weekend and she had a Felicity who had a very similar situation as mine like she had also (laughs) cut it like but the hair just feels so it it doesn't feel like nice hair after Mm. you know 25 plus years like in an attic or wherever like Felicity was definitely in need of a revamp and yeah (laughs) (laughs) a second life there but going back to the book series Mm. were you reading all of the dolls collections I read every collection multiple times. I don't remember if I owned all of them or got them from the library, but I think I probably just had the whole collections. Again, I think that was probably a way to like, you know, probably got them as gifts and it was a way to like connect with this thing that I love so much without spending a ton of money. So I I didn't read Felicity and Kirsten as much, but I, I definitely read Molly's books a lot and I read Samantha's and Addie's quite a bit. Yeah, totally. It was such a great way to connect with the dolls, like outside of actually purchasing them and like still exactly like, immersing yourself in the history of the time. Were there any historic books that you were particularly drawn to? So I love the summer books. I loved Samantha Saves a Day and Molly Saves a Day. They both just have like really great little adventure stories. Like the whole kit was so cute with those. I really love them. But the one that like stands out of my mind when I try to explain my love of American girls to other people, I go to Samantha Learns a Lesson, which I think is just like the perfect summation of like like what I loved about this book series. So for people who aren't familiar, the idea is that Samantha is entering like an essay contest at her school. You have to write about something like, a, it's, a, it's like a modern invention that's changed things or something that's changed the world is, is the gist of it. And she writes about factories and like how amazing they've been. And like, isn't it cool that we can make all these things? And she reads the essay to Nellie, who's her little friend, who's a servant, I think is how she's described in the book. She's, you know, she's poor. She's like, you know, she's not as well off as Samantha, who's a rich orphan. And so Samantha, if I recall correctly, has already sort of like won the class level essay and is now going to like the district level mm-hmm. with her essay where she will read it and compete. And she reads it to Nellie and Nellie just like listens to it. And is just like, I don't know what to tell you, like, that's not true. That's not what it's like. And goes on to describe like what it's like for a little kid working in a factory. And she's like, I've seen kids get their hair ripped out. Like it's, and it's like so harrowing. And she just like hands Samantha her ass. And it's Samantha's just like, oh my God. And is like so upset by this. And then rewrites the essay and has to go like tell it in front of all of like, they have to like perform it basically. And she just like basically rewrites it to be like, that's not what it's really like. It's dangerous for kids and it's actually like not as good and it's not as innovative and, and blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I recall correctly, like she still gets the medal, like she still like wins with it, but she doesn't. And I'm just like, oh my God, this like little social justice warrior who got this feedback of somebody telling her she's wrong and is like, oh my God, I had no idea. Let me fix it. Let me like mm-hmm. be an advocate. I'm just like, what a great message. Like what, what shouldn't we all live our lives that way? Like it was so nice. And yes. I just like, cannot think of any other story in children's literature that is like that like like again when you think about historical books and you think about feminism if i had to guess at what those books are going to be like it's going to be a very like whitewashed version of these things Mm -hmm. which like again the first dolls are white like fine but like 
whitewashed, not just in a race sense, but like writ large. And that it went like the level deeper is the thing I think that was so enduring to me of just like, oh, these books are not what you would expect at first glance. And I'm I'm right. just sort of like in awe that like that's the direction they went with it because they certainly didn't have to. Like these are very expensive dolls <laughs> talking about, you know, like Samantha's a yeah. rich orphan. It didn't have that didn't need to be the way they went. And that was like a really interesting choice to me. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. That's so nuanced and right. It, it is like a, a lifelong lesson that I don't think we even could grasp at that age, like how much of that could be applied to like existing in the world today. Like some someone informed Samantha of her privilege and instead of being like, but, but, but she was like, you know what, like her right. and <laughs> my opinion has changed. And now I'm going to like use my privilege to like speak to others about yeah. like what the truth is. And yeah. I cannot think of a lesson. I can't think of a single other story that I read as a kid that was so clear, like in its moral teaching. And it's such a great message. And I'm like tempted to go back and reread that one. I know I am too now. Now that I've like now that we're talking about it, I'm like, I need to go get the exact details worked out. But again, like (laughs) the thing that stuck with me was like the sort of like moral compass here. And you're right, like, didn't use this Lord privilege, like didn't need to. It was just like you don't you don't know what you're talking about. And that was her friend. Of course, she's going to like, I think that like, obviously, millennials are not perfect. But I think as a generation, I think that really actually captures a lot of like what I like about millennials, which is that openness and flexibility and like willingness to try and change that I think is like really special and something that I think we should be proud of as a generation. And so it makes sense that we were hearing that from someone somewhere at a very young age. Right. It's so nuanced. And like the meaning behind that, like really didn't like sink in until I was an adult, like how impactful Mm -hmm. the whole, like the entire American Girl collection really was like Mm -hmm. taking like Samantha, who had so much privilege. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're like immediately entranced by everything in her collection, her beautiful furniture, Mm -hmm. her clothing, right? But she had so much depth to her, like her life her books weren't just about like what a wonderful life she has full of privilege. Like I think that's right. These are elements of her life, but it's not her entire story. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really important to show that and the other stories of the other characters as well. Like people have layers, they go through hardships, they are constantly learning lessons. Like mm-hmm. none of these girls were perfect and they took challenges and we all saw how they they work through them. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really impactful. Mm -hmm. And Rachel, when we first connected, it was because you had commented on one of our posts about a very particular story in the AG magazine, which we will definitely get into. But what was your experience like with the American Girl magazine? So I, I probably was like around fourth grade when it would have launched. And I was just like, beside myself because I just again like loved this universe so much and I I really loved reading and magazines but like there weren't really I was young there wasn't really anything for me and I just felt like right. I felt so seen by it at the time I didn't really have the language for that um so again I would just read it cover to cover every month I would reread them I reread all my magazines growing up so definitely reread those many times and so 
looking at your Instagram, it was the story contest winners. It was like real girls, like they gave the first line of the story, like as a prompt, you had to use that as your first line and then write a whole story around it. And I remember it because I was just like, this is so cool that they had this contest and the people entered it. But the one that won was this ghost story. I was just like, how did a 10 year old girl write this story? It was so cool and spooky. And like, it just, I was like, this is the best ghost story I've ever read in my life. Like as soon as I saw it, I was like, I know exactly what this is. I know exactly what happens. Like this will never leave my memory. And there were so many other comments saying the same thing like the girl who wrote that just like incredible work I'm I'm so impressed that it made such an impact on so many of us seriously full send she really <laughs> like did such an amazing job we spoke with her for a recent episode and I, it just similarly to you blows my mind that like the writing level for someone of that age I know because that story was so nuanced and like yes it, it's just like so <laughs> crazy how many people connected with it and mm-hmm. you know as much as we obviously like get so much positive feedback when we post about the catalog I really see so many like heartfelt, wonderful comments from people when we post different things from the magazine, because to your point, I think like so many of us just felt seen by having a publication that was geared specifically, not just geared to girls our age, but also contributed to by Mm -hmm. girls Mm -hmm. our age. Like very little of it was like organic content that they were like pulling together. Yeah. So much of it was like curated from others. And Mm -hmm. I think that that was really like the sauce of that I think you're right. It was really unique. And and they also were tapped into what girls of that age were just into because I remember mm-hmm. the who's that girl series I remember the first one that I read I turned the page and it was Anna Martin and I like yes. shit my pants I was so excited I was just like <laughs> oh my god like it was just like worlds colliding like you you like how did you know I love her so much like that right. just blew me away and so it was just like they knew their audience really really well I think that was just a enduring testament like again we see it now in the in the adult women who love it it's like there was such a connection there because we all felt so seen it was so creative and crafty and like empowering and it was like age appropriate but not condescending it was just like right. the voice was so perfect um, and it felt like they always knew exactly what we wanted but we didn't know yet and I find that yeah. like now as an adult and an editor I'm like that's that's really hard to do I think the people who were creating it were really 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 good at what they were doing Absolutely. And especially with like having to like cater to like various ages, like in that age range, like even like two years, I feel like would make such a difference, like Mm -hmm. between like seven and nine or nine and 11. But it really like captured the interest of me, like all the years that I subscribed to it. I like what you said, like they really like understood what girls wanted before we might have even known it ourselves Mm -hmm. and there was just nothing like it and there right and if there is now I'm not aware of it I don't have any kids so I'm not like as tapped in but I just yeah it was a time where it felt like girlhood was cool and like special and seen as its own thing and I've been thinking about it in the context of um, like the 1996 Summer Olympics when there were a bunch Mm -hmm. of female athletes who were really exciting to young girls I think we all connected with them a lot and there was something happening that just like girlhood was like there was a culture around it that I think made a huge impact on this large group of millennials that I think like has stayed 
with us in various ways, like in our adult media and our interests, like there's something, I don't know. I, I just think that having culture for you makes such a difference. And I don't know if there is anything like that anymore. I know we've, we've like touched on that before where I think that maybe like what there is today is so many different mm-hmm. touch points for people to be like seen and heard for whatever their like really niche interest mm-hmm. is. But one of the things that I would say like, maybe is in favor of not having such like a saturated like way to connect with like so many different interests and things is that like for me I feel like American Girl magazine exposed me to new things yes definitely I wouldn't necessarily have like seeked out on my own like Mm -hmm. story about a girl who's like in the rodeo like yes that's very interesting but I don't know that I necessarily would have been able to find out about that on my own I agree so I appreciated it, I think, for what it was at the time that's maybe a little harder to come by now, which is like a really like natural like way to explore things that you wouldn't even think that you wanted to know more about. I think that's um, right. Yeah, there was a real element of like discovery and curiosity to it. And I think that it attracted a really curious group of readers because it was so you just never really knew what you were going to get. And I don't even know how I would describe it now because it's like hard it's hard to explain kind of what the like unifying theme was like it was just Mm -hmm. like again like being a girl is cool but I I, even like in terms of how we think about like what is what does that mean like what does it mean to be a girl like it wasn't hyper feminine but it also wasn't neutral it was about girls but like that's kind of the furthest I can get with kind of summing up what its specific lens was it was just like being a girl is like cool and smart and girls are resourceful but like that doesn't really mean anything it's just it had such a specific voice and lens that is is hard to kind of describe for sure and it's so interesting that like with the magazine like this was kind of devoid of any like pop culture reference Mm -hmm. like celebrities weren't mentioned fashion Mm -hmm. wasn't really discussed in a way that was like forcing you to like want to buy something Mm -hmm. um like hair makeup tips I think were like kept to the minimum it was really just like celebrating Mm -hmm. this moment in time and we spoke to a former editor at American Girl magazine Aubrey Andrus on the podcast earlier this year who shared insights about her experience working at the magazine in the 2000s and navigating conversations surrounding social media because as much as I think the brand wanted to protect this ideal state of girlhood, you can't pretend that social media does not exist forever. Like the magazine did have some articles in the late nineties about websites and internet slang and web safety, but we certainly were not overtaken by the digital landscape at that point. Like iPad babies were not a thing. So at a certain point, you just can't ignore it. And it must be included in conversation. It feels to me like summer camp did, which like mm-hmm. was another thing that I like discovered I wanted to do through American Girl because Molly goes to summer camp and I was like, I have to go to summer camp. But it feels like summer camp and that it is like this like sort of devoid of like you're you're kind of cut off from those like bigger right. things. Like it's, there's no celebrity. There's no like those. There's not pop culture there. You're just like and it, it kind of feels it reminds me of like Girl Scouts, too, where it's just like it's just kind of its own contained thing. And yes. the outside world doesn't really penetrate it. And like that you could make something really unique and interesting in a space where you're not beholden to those outside things. Right. Yeah, that's so true. Rachel, did you have a favorite section of the magazine? Because I, you know, remember all the different ways that they were like telling girls stories, but it could be like 
you know, the like, who's that girl section, the mm-hmm. paper doll section, the help section, my personal favorite. I like help for sure. I rem- yeah. I like the giggle gang. Like that was always yes. fun to get to. Um, <laughs> I, I remember who's that girl because I always just was I really like took it seriously. I don't have to put it, but I like read each one and like really tried to make a good guess and then was like, yeah very delighted when I you know turned the page because again they just like always knew who to pick so I remember that I think I like the arts and crafts stuff a lot which took it a lot of different forms but when I look at your Instagram I I remember those quite well and so I think as an adult like that makes sense as an adult I'm into a lot of DIY things so it makes sense that I was noticing that even if I never did a single one of those crafts but I those stuck with <laughs> yes. me yes oh my gosh we've we've like talked about that so much which like people like remember the crafts and they're like I'm not sure if I ever actually did this but I nope. loved reading <laughs> love the idea it. of it yep. yeah right. I, I love the idea of being a girl who did this like I think that was like <laughs> they did a great job of like the balance between aspirational but never making you feel like FOMO or shame that you don't have any anyone to like have a cool sleepover with like I don't remember feeling that even though that was totally yeah. true I wasn't I didn't live that life but it didn't feel bad to to hear about it which I think is also really interesting and hard to pull off right yeah. that's a that's a really good point it's just so like true. indulging in the potential to do yes. these things <laughs> exactly and I and like liking to know about them and I think that's also in how they showed it because it wasn't like this perfectly stylized sleepover photo with all of these Mm -hmm. girls having a great time I think they did a really good job of sort of isolating out specific images that they didn't they didn't build out the whole thing and so I think it probably let you like fill in the blanks yourself or put yourself in there without feeling like well I could never have that like you might feel looking at other things and honestly looking at the catalog which was like so aspirational and a little like out of reach and and I think that the magazine really was more grounded and like made it feel like you could have these things Right. Yeah. The magazine was a great equalizer, I think, for the brand values of American Girl Mm -hmm. um, without necessarily having to commit to like the huge spend required (laughs) to have dolls. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people who were touched by the magazine that weren't necessarily, you know, part of the American Girl catalog gang, mm-hmm. like like we were. But I think that just shows like the way that they were able to take the brand into many different forms to make mm-hmm. sure that people were able to engage with it in some way, which yeah. I feel like is rare for like a company that like technically is based at the end of the day on like a consumer good. Yeah, um, agree. Yeah, they had many access points, which I think was really smart. And then like a a really great upsell, basically, which like sounds so craven, but like they as a business, it was really smart. It feels a bit like a luxury brand having like the perfume that you can buy for $100. You're not you can't buy a Chanel bag, but you can buy the perfume like it feels a bit like you could find some way to buy into this without having to do the whole thing and, and be sort of part of it. And I think that felt really good. That is a fantastic analogy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Rachel, do you see any parallels that could be drawn to your own career path from the impact that American Girl had on you? Yeah. I mean, I think just at a baseline, it just made me feel like I was cool. My interests were cool. I should pursue the things that I'm into. Like, Like I said, I was baseline confident, but it definitely helped stoke that and like Mm -hmm. made me feel good about the things I was interested in. And I think, again, I, I think it's so interesting how it was it literally American Girl, like it's right in the name. It, and like dolls are one of the most sort of like traditionally feminine things you can think of. But I was not necessarily 
like I wasn't a tomboy. I also wasn't like hyper feminine. I mean, it's not, I was like very into like makeup and was begging to wear makeup at like four years old. But like, <laughs> I think it like does gender and I don't know how else to put it like does gender yeah. in an interesting way that I think made me feel good about being interested in historically feminine things. And I think my career path has always circled those things. I've always written about like traditional women's stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've never felt bad about that. And I think like that is where I can see a connection of like, why should I feel bad about that? These things are objectively good and cool. And like, there should be no shame around them. And I think that I I can credit American Girl with making me feel from a young age of like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being a girl or liking girl stuff. Definitely. Yeah. So true. Like the entire brand really celebrated girlhood. And mm-hmm. like, I feel like the whole brand is really like uh, raising feminists. Yes. You know? Yeah. And it's you interesting know. because it was like, it was not talking about girlhood in the context of boys or boyhood. Mm-hmm. Like that was just right. never part of the conversation. It's sort of like, it, it's like what I would imagine going to an all girls school is like, where it's just like, right. yeah, boys just like aren't part of this. And I think it's interesting yeah. to think about what quote unquote female or feminine or girl things look like in an absence of men and the male gaze or boys like what does it look like to just do them for yourselves because I think my girlfriend and I have this ongoing conversation of like what are things that are objectively great that like men have kind of ruined like at like (laughs) what are things that we would enjoy if we got to do them like with other women and like without the sort of like male lens on them and and I think that like this was an opportunity at a really young age to experience that. And I think I've still just like, that's how I try to go about life. It's just like, what do we like? What are we into? What is good? If you take out like debating whether this has value or not through like a capitalist lens or like a male gaze or like, there's just so many things where it's like so fraught because of gender. And I think it's nice to be able to just strip it back and be like, no, this thing is great. I love this thing. And yeah. it's, it's fine that it's for girls. That doesn't, that has, that's not a value judgment either way. It just right. is good. Definitely. Yes. So often women's interests are diminished and mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. is like collecting baseball cards like, right. okay. Or like my dad collects model trains and has a whole train collection. Like, why is mm-hmm. that okay? But like, right. Girls aren't or exactly you know, something else. Like it's so interesting to explore in this context. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel like something I've stumbled upon recently is like this, um, like I've seen a lot on social media, like people like posting like, oh, men will never understand. And it's like this uniquely like girlish thing, like men will never understand like um, clocking out of work at 4 p.m. on a Friday and like getting drinks with the girlies. <laughs> and I And I think that's like, honestly, in a way, like the way I look at American Girl is like, Men will never understand it, and I don't need them to. Yeah, um, it just doesn't con- it doesn't concern them. Right. Yeah. Them. Like, don't <laughs> worry about it. <laughs> and and it's like so freeing to not have to even try to explain it. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I and again, I just think that like it's really unique to have like media for girls or women that is just like about girls and women and their unique stories that just like don't involve boys or men. Like, if there were boys in the stories, they were just sort of like incidental they weren't right the point like they weren't it just wasn't about that it was just about these girls I can't even like really it's hard to even think of some of the side characters because it was like their families next which again makes sense like when you're a girl but you can just see so many other versions of this where it's like no the girl has to have a love interest and it's just like oh my god who cares she's 10 like that's and that that I just felt so deeply too like it just that's how I lived and so it was and I don't know if it's because I saw that there because that was like how I was inclined and that's why I like these books. But it was really nice to see a version of girlhood that, that put the girl at the center of it. And that was it. 
Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. There, there's something that is like, you know, just kind of now coming to me as a realization, but I feel like when we were being taught history in school or like even just as part of like a general like reading curriculum, there were like historical fiction books for um, you know, kids in elementary school, like Johnny Tremaine is one that comes to mind. And like, obviously, I know that the books are historical fiction, but it is, I think it says something about the way that like, girls are willing to like, engage with and read about like, men's story as part of history mm -hmm. that American Girl is never a book series that like a teacher of mine pulled out at any point and was no. like here's right. like a really good like fictional depiction of what it was like you know in like the 1860s like Philadelphia for right. Addie or right um you know for World War II for for Molly or like for Kirsten like on the frontier and like the same goes for like you know adjacent books like Little House on the Prairie no, mm -hmm. no teacher of mine was ever like, oh, we're learning about like pioneers. So like, here's a great like accompaniment right. to that. Right. Um, and I have to think it's because like the books maybe are looked at as like being like, you know, girls stories. So like maybe not everybody mm -hmm. can relate. But I think that like, regardless of gender, like anybody would enjoy reading an American Girl book. I think so too. The, the stories are so enduring and I just I just remember so many little details about them that are like so specific that it's like, why is this in my brain? Like, why did I, right. why do I remember this? Um, mm -hmm. But they were just so well written and told and the, the characters came through so clearly. And it's just so interesting because I think that like, you could say like, yeah, these are strong girls, like quote unquote. And I don't even but like, that's not how they felt. That wasn't the point. It wasn't like right. somebody set out to write a book with like strong female protagonists. It just is like, no, they're just like girls who have rich little lives. And that that just that formula worked so well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I will say we had interviewed a teacher um, a few months ago who is introducing American Girl books to her classes, mm. which made me so happy. And I hope that that's others so nice. who are in the position to do so would also consider that if it's age appropriate. But same, Laura, like I had never been in a situation where like American Girl was shared amongst like my peers as a whole growing up mm -hmm. and it absolutely should have been like I had read so much historic fiction that was centered around men and boys and really would have appreciated the the female perspective like in a larger class setting for sure agree same Rachel question besides mm -hmm. the historic books were there any other of the like American Girl library that you were into growing up Yes. I remember The Care and Keeping of You. I don't remember if I owned it, honestly, or if I just like, it. I just absorbed it. Like I remember <laughs> reading these books in bookstores too. So like, I don't remember yeah. what I owned versus what I just consumed. But I remember those illustrations are so like, they had such a style, they had such a vibe. Um, and that book, again, I'm like, I might have been a little bit old for that one. But like, it still like penetrated my brain somehow. And just like, I know how many people have connected with that book. And that's, I think, actually, one of the pieces of American Girl that I think about the most in my current like in my current life, like as an mm -hmm. editor of a health and wellness magazine, as a person who's like written two books for adult women, like to me, like the art of showing up is like the care and keeping of you like yes. 2.0 or like that's what I aim for. And with 
itself, I'm like, that's what I'm aiming for. I'm like, we are writing for the girls who grew up on the care and keeping of you who like want accurate information about their bodies in like a no BS way who like everyone talks about, you know, the photo of the girl putting the tampon in like, that's what we're trying to do. And so that's the thing that I'm like, no, this is like, to me, a proof of concept of like these women exist, like we still want that. And like, I don't know. I'm just like, that's to me, like the care and keeping of you generation is self's like target audience and sort of target demo. The people who like connected with that. I'm like, I, my goal is to make every, like all of my work, like follow in the footsteps of the care and keeping of you and like provide sort of the same thing for adults. Yeah. I mean, well, because similar to the magazine, right? Like that book is not condescending. It's written Mm -hmm. in a very like, almost like peer to peer voice, but like, an authoritative peer who's like helping you but not judging you mm-hmm. um it's that like big sister kind of and that's yes. like whenever I'm that's always the voice I'm trying to like capture or that I'm trying to impart on my team you know across brands across jobs I just feel like that like really warm friendly accurate information that makes people feel seen no shame feel good about themselves feel like they have the tools that they need so I I give the care and keeping of you a lot of credit for sort of like pointing me in that direction. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it really, you're right when you say it's touched so many people because it's one of the most common things that we have brought up when, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about the impact that American Girl had, like people always bring up the care and keeping of you. And I think another example of what we've talked about in this episode a little bit is like plenty of people had that book who probably didn't even have American Girl dolls. It was like Mm -hmm. a really good, like universal, like approach to you know just talking about like body related Mm -hmm. changes that it seems like was pretty universally embraced by our entire generation and and the parents of that generation right and again when we talk about millennials I'm like there is like a frankness and openness that we've seen as like we've gotten older like talking about periods more openly Mm -hmm. talking about mental health like I don't don't think that came out of nowhere like we grew up in a culture that like set us up for that and was like by no means perfect but gave us enough tools that I think now the millennials are the ones creating media like we got enough from that to be like got it okay received now we're gonna put that out there and so now I see like what I feel so excited by is seeing like Gen Z talking about their mental health openly because I can sort of trace the line from like the media that millennials have been creating and Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a direct line from that to the media that we were consuming from American Girl, if that makes sense. Like you can see how it like got handed to us and then we use that to create something. And like things are like, I don't know, things are different now. Like it's a different world. Like people didn't talk about mental health the same way they used to. That's a new thing that I feel really proud of that millennials have done that. Absolutely. Where do where do you think that comes from? I think something happened where girls were told like, you're awesome. You can do what you want to do. And like you you should have empathy. And we were like, okay. Let's do that. And like, (laughs) just like listened. And I think there was something about like the culture in which we were raised in where there was this like, let's empower girls. Like sports were a big thing. Like there was something Mm -hmm. happening where girls were like supposed to be like, quote unquote, strong. Again, I don't quite know what that meant, but there was something there. And I think we really heard it. And I think empathy was also something we were taught as a generation of like being kind. And everyone was just like, okay, we'll do that. Like be nice to people, like be tolerant. And we all just like, I, it's, I don't know why we were all taught that. I don't know quite where that was coming from, like what messaging our parents were getting. I'm sure our moms all watched the same episodes of Oprah or something and like that's where we thought <laughs> this. But I think there was something that we all just like internalized and we're like, okay, we're going to do that. Because I don't remember, again, I like the media I was consuming on like MTV or E or all those other things like was not telling us this. But then there was something happened. I feel like when we like got out of college and 
started making things, making media, mm-hmm. we were just like, great, we're going to do like all those things that with all those values we were taught. Yeah, those are the right. right values. We're going to like enact them and be, you know, be open about things and talk about our bodies or talk about struggles and be kind to people. And we just like all kind of did it at once in a way that like intersected with the internet kind of like and like big outlets like BuzzFeed really blowing up and and Mm -hmm. pushing that message out to a ton of people at once and it just like became sort of the culture and it worked yeah I think that there is like a lot of truth to all of that and I think like in general it bodes really well for future generations Mm -hmm. that American Girl has taken that concept of the care and keeping of you and now Mm -hmm. like expanded it to gender identity Mm -hmm. and even more uh things that you would maybe be considering or ruminating on at that age when you'd be reading Mm -hmm. the care and keeping of you so it makes me happy to see that like all of that effort that like our you know parents maybe put into having us relate more openly to our thoughts and feelings than their generation mm-hmm. did is now being channeled into like new like fodder for consumption mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the generation that's reading the current version of caring keeping of you which did get you know some pushback from yeah yeah other you know, I think American Girl casts a wide net in terms of like demographics yeah. of interest, but I'm really glad that they've sort of like stood their ground on yeah. that because I think it's so important. Yeah. And it's like, that's kind of how culture changes is like, you've got a, like a small group of people who have some power and are able to do something and they kind of just make a decision and they stick by it. And like, people are like, no, like we're on board and they just push it forward. And I, I do see right. it in, in people our age who are now raising kids who are like, we like we learn the right names for our body parts and we talk about them and we teach our sons about periods like there's just like been a huge cultural shift from what our generation to the next one even that I think is so remarkable and it make, it gives me like a lot of hope for the future when I feel abject despair at what's happening yeah. in the world it's like okay a lot of good has happened in a really short period of time like that's that's something to be proud of and like something to be really grateful for too right absolutely Oh, well, shall we get into our closing question? It's Let's a, do it. Kind of a nice segue. Definitely. <laughs> Rachel, what lasting impression did American Girl leave on you? Ooh, I think it's everything we talked about. I think it's that it's cool to be a girl and you should be confident in who you are and you should stand up for what you believe in. And being a girl is a good thing. Yes. Love it. <laughs> full, full stop. Yeah. I mean, Agreed. it's- it's just incredible, like what the brand was able to instill into our generation. I, I'm just like in awe of how, like what they did. It's it's really remarkable. For sure. Yeah, they have an incredible legacy. And mm-hmm. although like they're evolving, I think, you know, nothing will change the impact that it had on us during mm-hmm. our years of interest. And I think that it's just so great that like a whole generation of girls is now going to like take those values of like how great it is to be a girl and how there's so many things that are special about being a girl and hopefully pass that on to mm-hmm. another another generation. and. Um. Yeah. So grateful for American Girl. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's play a couple little games um to round out this episode. And the first one is Rachel. If you were an American Girl character yourself, and you were a doll, and Mm -hmm. came with three accessories, (laughs) what three would those be? This is a great question. Um. Okay. I think the first one would be. 
a tiny set of binoculars um, because I've been getting into birding in the past year and it feels like a very American <laughs> girl hobby. I'm actually surprised none of them came with binoculars. They were they were outdoorsy. They like to explore. So I think that would definitely be my first one. I think the next thing would have to be crafting related or DIY related. So I think it would maybe be like a little ball of yarn and like a little knitting project in process. Um, I haven't knit in the past couple months, but I think that's a good like way to capture it. Maybe an embroidery hoop, but something something crafty would be definitely my second one. Um, and then I think the third one would be a journal or a notebook or something like that. I, I've always been an avid journaler. I'm sure that'll surprise you after everything you've heard from me in my, again, my Victorian <laughs> era. Um, but I've written a book about journaling. So I think like some, some sort of like writing implement but a little a little teeny tiny moleskine probably love that (laughs) so cute so cute it would be so incredible if American girl like gave the option to like create like your own accessories like oh my gosh (laughs) because that sounds so so adorable I love I love all that it's like almost impossible to choose three because there's so many good options (laughs) I know now I'm gonna think of 10 more tonight I'm sure but I feel pretty good I feel like those are pretty enduring things that I've like been connected with generally speaking for a while so I feel pretty good about them (laughs) absolutely well for my little game um Rachel you gave us the name of one celebrity that you like um Mm -hmm. which American girl do you think Meghan Markle would have (laughs) I think she would have the exact same American Girl dolls I would. I believe she would have Samantha Parkington and Addie Walker because like me, like when you're a biracial kid, like, you know, like that, those are your people. And I think if you look at her, it's like, yeah, it's the social justice, the beautiful hair. It's the, it's all of it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love the idea of her having those two. And I wish that like, I wish there was a way for us to find out like which celebrities had American Girl oh, because yeah. I think it would be fun to find out. But I could totally see her connecting with those two characters' stories. And I also just think like, you know, she's so fashionable and mm-hmm. Samantha's a perfect fit for her mm-hmm. in that sense. <laughs> I, I love thinking about her having Samantha and Addie. I hope she would agree. I hope so too. I feel I feel confident <laughs> in this. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Rachel, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, it was my pleasure. I love, <laughs> love to talk about this. It was so fun. So thank you so much for having me. Thank <laughs> you. Now, where could everybody find you after this? Um, easiest place is probably my Instagram. I don't post a ton, but like I'll, you know, post what I'm up to the underscore R E W M. And you can also find some of my more recent work on self.com and also like, um, what I'm editing and, and, you know, that I think that's what I'm trying to put out into the world right now. So another good place to go. Oh, amazing. Well, Rachel, thank you so, so much for joining us and sharing with us and thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to American Girl Women. For more AG Women content, follow us on IG at American Girl Women or send us your American Girl stories via AmericanGirlWomen at gmail.com. We might just read them on the pod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.